This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's time to talk Mariners baseball. Holy smokes! With spring training just around the corner, we are geared up for baseball. This is at the wall, and it is gone into the bullpen for a two-run homer. Some serious hang time from Nelson Cruz. It's the hot stove. On 710 ESPN Seattle, 710sports.com, and the 710 Sports app. Well, welcome inside a very special edition of the Hot Stove Show. We are here from Safeco Field, right outside the beautiful Key Bank Diamond Club at the Premium Partners event here at Safeco Field. Aaron Goldsmith, Shannon Dreher, Bill Kruger, everyone, good to see you. This is uh, a little bit of a different setup for us, isn't it? It is. It's an impressive setup and, you know, beautiful set here. Uh, there are little quiches going by, which <laughs> I don't know how safe they are. But, uh, you know, great to be back at the ballpark. Absolutely. Saw a number of ballplayers today. Guys are getting ready to go. So, yeah, this is fun. Well, Bill, I haven't seen you at all this offseason. How are things? I'm just hiding, hiding out in Fall City <laughs> on my farm. That's being generous. But, uh, no, it's great to be here, great to, to feel baseball coming back and starting earlier this year. So uh, sure. that's exciting. And I didn't know that uh, – we had TV lights. I didn't know we were getting HD makeup up. I guess I'm the only one that didn't get that memo. So. Aaron has some for you. Yeah, I always want. have some on my back. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Well, the news of the day obviously is disappointing news. Edgar finishing 20 votes shy of Cooperstown this year, officially 70.4% of the vote, of course, needing 75. Uh, this was something that, as Shannon, I know as you were tracking it as close as anyone, as these last couple of days unfolded, it became a little more evident that it, this would become a little closer than maybe it looked, let's say, a month ago or so. Yes, and I think it was something we were anticipating because we've seen it sure. every year where he's had the significant gains. It's uh, kind of two different uh, groups of voters you have, the ones who turn in their, their ballots early and they make them public and those that don't. And uh, it's that latter group that has hurt him a little bit. But I think overall, this is incredibly encouraging. Finishing with 70.4% of the vote when he was just over 58 last year. And he himself, we had an opportunity to talk to him on a conference call not too long ago. He said, you know, I knew there was a chance this year, but I really didn't have the feeling. I think he was surprised that he made such strides uh, this winter. But uh, he said next year, the trends are looking very good. And I think the most important thing is, is we saw that jump. And a lot of that is because of the discussion that has been had. Sure. And it's, you know, you see it on the MLB network. You see it on Twitter. You hear it on the radio. A lot more people are aware of what he did. And I, I think that's good for baseball. I mean, you bring up for recent history, 2014, he was at 25%. Yeah. Last year he was at was at 54, 58. So we're talking some serious climbs. This is bringing up, of course, memories of Tim Raines from last season. Right. Raines in his 10th and final season gets in with an incredible push, just like what we're seeing from Edgar Raines. And I think we'll see that push. And then also he finished with 70.4% of the vote. Over the last 10 years, there have been 10 players who hit that 70% mark. They all got in the Hall of Fame mm-hmm. the next year. Well, I was thinking about this from Edgar's point of view uh, earlier today once the news was announced, Bill, and... I can't imagine what it must feel like for Edgar to have so many people 
rooting for him. Many of the people that he knows, right, the, the higher-ups of the Mariners, all the way down to the guys in the clubhouse, and then, of course, an entire city and an entire region. Uh, the amount of support that is being given to Edgar Martinez and his push now going into his 10th year next season, it's pretty remarkable, and it kind of feels like kind of feels like everyone is in this same camp together for Edgar. Obviously, we all are. And I think for a guy that's extremely humble and uh, appreciative, a guy that had to wait a long time to get his chance in the big leagues, a guy that played in the shadows of some pretty unbelievable mm-hmm. players, but I think his just due is coming. Sure. You know, staying in a market his whole career, when quite honestly, if he'd have showed up in New York and did what he did in the, the strength of his career, people would have already, like, anointed him as maybe the greatest uh, right-hand hitter of our generation, which we all kind of know he is anyway. So I think just due, great person, unbelievable work ethic, incredible focus, and left nothing to chance and put together an incredible career. And we're going to hear a lot more about his career as we get closer to next year's vote. And next year will be special for a number of reasons, but you look at the potential class for next year with Edgar and a certain closer who he uh, happened to feast on. I think that would be so exciting. Mariano Rivera will be eligible. I'm sure he will go in on the first ballot. And you think about the battles that those two have. Mariano said he had, what, my breakfast, lunch, and dinner. (laughs) He absolutely owned me is what Mariano said. But uh, I think, you know, what a... A great era of Mariners baseball and the just, uh, you know, the back and forth and the rivalry that they had with New York back then. To see those two go in together, I think that would be a lot of fun. It'd be pretty spectacular. So it looks like uh, we will have to wait uh, one more year for Edgar, but I think it's probably safe for Mariners fans to start booking their travel to Cooperstown and their hotel arrangements for a year. I canceled my hotel arrangements today. (laughs) Did you really? I wonder, uh, you can't be the only person from various fan bases who does that on a yearly basis, right? I mean, when you book, you just make sure that there's a full refund policy? Absolutely. I booked back (laughs) in November, and it was already pretty booked when uh, Trammell and uh, Morris went in. uh Uh-oh, better get on this, and I was almost too late. You know, just uh, while we're talking about Edgar and Mariano, for his career, 11 for 19, he was nearly a 580 hitter with two home runs against Mariano Rivera. Now, keep this in mind, too. You look at some of the great all-time hitters. Now, some of these guys are already in the hall. Another one is certainly on his way. Pudge, Frank Thomas, okay, a couple of Hall of Famers right there. Adrian Beltre, who I think we all agree is going to be in Cooperstown. Those three have combined for as many hits and as many home runs against Mariano Rivera as Edgar Martinez. I mean, it's spectacular. And, and I think when that, that sort of brings the conversation to a certain con context Mm -hmm. in other words with edgar i think when you get inside the game you talk to the best pitchers they will tell you that he's on a very short list of the best hitters they ever saw and i think there's a lot of admiration across the field with position players as as well and how his tutelage has probably helped them along the way and the way he went about his his work right but i think for me there are players that make a lot of numbers against the softer part of rotations and at times in the game that aren't as significant and clearly that's a representation of the kind of hitter he was where he delivered against the best pitchers and the most important times. Absolutely. So. Uh, Shannon, some news of the day from Safeco Field. I know you, this has been a long day for you here at the ballpark. <laughs> yes. A little bit of a rainy day as well, but you were here for the Hutch Luncheon. Yeah, the annual Hutch Award Luncheon was today, and it's just such a, a wonderful event. If you have the opportunity to go, if you're looking for somewhere to make your donations, mm-hmm. what a wonderful place to do it. I say it all the time, but they are creating miracles. You drive by it on I-5 every day, and just to think of the things that are going on over there, and the funding is so important. But there is also a beautiful baseball tie with Fred Hutch, and it was his brother was the good doctor uh, there. And... Uh, they always pick a, a, a player, and sometimes it is a player who has uh, 
done things for a long time, and other times it is a player, and it's, of course, doing things in the community and, and, and whatnot. Other times it's a younger player, and it, it's really neat to see what that does for a younger player when it is. And they take the tour of the hutch, and they meet the scientists, and they see what's happening there, and they go to the hutch school, and they see the kids of the, who have family members who are going under uh, treatment. And so it, it's just um, really an incredible day, a couple of days when they're in town. Jake Diekman won the award this year and just gave a wonderful speech, and then the keynote speaker was Randy Johnson, and uh, Rick Riz did a, just a really great sit-down with him for about 20 minutes. Luckily, it was sit-down. He didn't have to <laughs> stand on that one. But, they don't um, make phone books anymore, at least not enough. You know, not, you'd have to stack those little ones that they now <laughs> drop off at the door every three months. Um, but just a, a great, great day. Good to see RJ here at the park, and, of course, he has just uh, really gotten on with his retirement. He's into the photography, traveling the world, just uh, – it's an interesting, interesting fella, and uh, it was a lot of fun to see him. He always kind of takes in the scene here. It's, you can see it in his eye a little bit. I was on that mound, of course, not as a Mariner, but he pitched here, and you know, the baseball is still in him. Yeah. Well, we've got a jam-packed hot stove show tonight, and a little different in a very good way. We will actually have our guests live, in person, here at the ballpark, and we will be hearing from a lot of notables, including uh, Mariner's manager Scott Service coming up an hour from now, Mitch Hanniger, Mariner's right fielder, will be joining us as well in the second hour. Mike Zanino will be here as well. I'll be excited to talk to Mike about what his offseason has looked like and a new Mariner, a couple of new Mariners, in fact. New first baseman, Ryan Healy, fresh over from the Oakland A's, will be with us uh, not long from now. And when we come back in just a few moments, we will be hearing from the new center fielder for the Mariners, that is D. Gordon. So eager to talk to D. about what his offseason has looked like, uh, a very different offseason for D. Gordon as in years past. So... All those guys coming up, jam-packed hot stove show. We want to get to our trivia question first and foremost, and this has to do with uh, the boomstick, Nelson Cruz. As you remember, Nelly won his first RBI title last season, and the question is how many RBIs did he have to go along with those 39 home runs? You can call us, 206-421-3776 is the number. Once again, the question, Nelson Cruz last year, first career RBI title, how many ribbies did he have to go along with his 39 home runs? The phone number, 206-421-3776. We're eager and excited for this one. Aaron Goldsmith, Shannon Dreyer, Bill Kruger. And when we come back, a chance to talk things over with one of the newest Mariners, Mariners center fielder D. Gordon joins us here from Safeco Field after this timeout. Back to more of the Hot Stove on 710 ESPN Seattle, 710sports.com and the 710 Seattle Sports app. Hot Stove Show rolls along here from Safeco Field. We just mentioned our trivia question. The winner receives a Kyle Seeger cream replica jersey you can wear with the players wear. Available at all team stores. We'll be announcing that trivia winner coming up a little bit later in the show. Well, this is exciting. Right now, we are eager to welcome one of the newest mer- members of the Mariners, new center fielder, D. Gordon. D. it's good to meet you. It's good to have you. Thanks for joining us. There we go. Uh, thanks for having me, guys. Hey, uh, we've... Uh, We've all seen the, the Instagram videos, right? You're flagging them down in center field. How, how are things going? How's the transition uh, from the infield to the outfield going? It's going well. Going well. Uh, Chris Prieto came down a few times. Uh, Skip came down, saw me. And uh, it's going well. Worked out with Mr. Griffey a few days. So uh, I'm excited. I'm excited to be a Mariner. Excited to be a center fielder. What's it like working out with Ken? I talked to him right after you came over to the Mariners, and I said, is this going to be like a classroom instructor? He said, nope, I'm going to take him out and hit him balls. What What do you do? Uh, that's all he did. <laughs> <laughs> that's all he did, man. I was grateful for that uh, opportunity to have a Hall of Famer. You know, I don't care that he lives down the street from me, but to take his time with me, it's 
pretty amazing, and uh, I definitely tried to soak up all the knowledge he gave me. Now, did you have a relationship with Junior before that? Yeah, yeah, a real good, <laughs> real good relationship with him, man. Uh, him playing against my dad for a number of years, taking my dad deep, you know, getting me in trouble because he did it. So, <laughs> so it's not, okay. So it sounds like you guys have been at it for a while. Uh, t- tell us about uh, the phone call that you got from Jerry, and well, not only did you – I mean, I have to think this is not your typical phone call, right? Not only do you find out you're being traded, but you find out that you will be making a fairly drastic position change. Jerry called me. He was so excited. Like, he didn't give me a chance to, like, even get mad about it or anything. He was so <laughs> excited to have me. I was just like, all right, man, I got to run through the wall for this guy. <laughs> so Centerfield is completely brand new to you? Uh Somewhere, yeah, I played a, a total of like eight games in the Dominican one year. I got sick and I couldn't finish. Uh, and honestly, they didn't even hit me that many balls, so <laughs> I, it's pretty pretty new to me. Well, you can get you can you can be the thoroughbred that you are now. It's hard to be that thoroughbred at second base, right? I mean, yeah, it is hard, but uh, <laughs> you know, I love second base. But sure. you know, it's all good, man. I'm here to help this help this team win ball games, and whatever I have to do is what I have to do. What do you see when you look at this lineup right now with you in it? So what's crazy is I came from a lineup with me, Giancarlo Stanton, Christian Yelich, Marcelo Giruna, uh, Justin Bohr, JT Romuto, which is good in his own right, you know, a bunch of young guys. And, you know, I, I learned how to become a big leaguer with these young guys, and we played pretty well together, you know. But now it was like, oh, snap, you play with Robinson Cano, <laughs> Nelson Cruz, <laughs> Kyle Seeger. You know, like, uh, this ain't just your average group of ball players. These are some of the best in the game. Do you, have, do you know some of the guys that are already in this clubhouse? Yeah, I know Robbie pretty well. I know Nelly pretty well. I know Segura. Uh, the younger guys, not so much, but I know, know the older guys. Now, Robbie, the connection is from the club when you were a kid. Tell yes. that story. I couldn't so, believe that. Uh, so... Everybody was like, uh, made a big deal about me saying, you know, if I switch for anybody, it would be for Robbie. And that statement was true because uh, I met Robbie when he was 22 years old, a rookie, you know, with the New York Yankees. He lived in Edgewater, New Jersey, like my dad did. And I was small and skinny like I am now. My dad, after the game, like, go walk the subway and get you a sandwich so you can put some weight on, you know. (laughs) So... Middle of the night after a game, you know, 11, 12 o'clock at night, little kid just walking like 13, 14 years old. And every night I went in there, the same guy being there every night, Robinson Cano. He couldn't afford the lavish. He's not the $240 million Robinson Cano he is now. He was the rookie, so he was buying Subway every night like me. (laughs) (laughs) That's a great story. Hey, D. Gordon is our guest here on the Hot Stove Show. And, uh, you know, D., I was talking with Jerry Dupoto the other day. And no joke, he made it sound like every time he calls you on the phone, you're working out with some Hall of Famer. Now, we already talked about Junior. <laughs> One of the times that he spoke with you, was it Barry Larkin yeah. flipping to you or something? Yeah, Barry Larkin uh, has been my mentor since my first year in the big league. So this is going on my eighth year working with him. And we got a nice little group down there. You know, we work down in Orlando, have guys come in, you know, some bigger name guys. uh and, you know, we get it in. And, you know, he, he teaches me how to become a big leaguer, how, you know, to respect the game, respect my peers and things like that. And, you know, like I said, he's my mentor. So I, he, he's not just a Hall of Famer to me. He's my Hall of Fame mentor. Mm, wow. 
You mentioned uh, the Dominican Republic and playing there for a short while yes, a couple ma'am. of minutes ago. Tell us a little bit about strikeout poverty. Striking out poverty is uh, a thing I got with last year. Uh, the PR lady for my agency, I told her, you know, I had just received my contract. And I, was, and I told her, I was like, before I buy a house for myself or a nice car or something, I want to do something for somebody who needs it. Not just in my community. I do a, lo- a lot for my community. But someone who doesn't know where their next meal is going to come from, don't have clean water. And the Dominican just kind of came up. And I had been there before. You know, they embraced me there before. I played there two years. And they were always great to me. So, honestly, I didn't know what to do or what they expect was going to happen. Uh, and when we went, I just fell in love with this community called Cameroon. And we are sitting under this tree, and I told the guys, like, this is the community I want to help. How can I help them? And he told me how, and that's what we did. And you were down there recently, it looked like, on your Yeah, I went down there Twitter? recently. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> what's crazy is I got to see what my money paid for. And, you know, nowadays you write a check and you don't know what you paid for. Mm. And not only did my money pay for one treatment facility, it paid for a well that holds 12 gallons of rainwater that they transition over to clean water and three purification tanks that they built. I paid for one. They stretched the money into a well and three tanks. Wow. Tell us about that's fan, that's phenomenal work, by the way. I can't Thank I can't you. imagine how powerful that is when you see that with your own eyes. Thank um, you. Good for you. Uh, tell us about sharing a clubhouse, playing alongside, and I would think in some forms working out with Ichiro. <laughs> Ichi, that's my boy, man. <laughs> I love Ichi, man. Like y'all don't understand. Like my first year in, in fifteen with the uh, Marlins, Ichi made a comment to me. He was like. I was like, Ichi, how long are you going to play for us? And he was like, as long as you're here. And I was like, oh, wow. Like, so we friends like that? Like, <laughs> you know, and, you know, Ichi's, oh, man, I, I can't explain to y'all how much I admire that guy since the first day I've ever seen him. Besides the obvious, right, I mean, his ability to put the bat to the ball, what else is there that you like so much? The person. Ichi's like the nicest person you ever meet in your life. But... You can't touch his stuff. <laughs> Don't touch his stuff. But he's, Did you learn he's, that the hard way? No, not me. I watched somebody else mess up. <laughs> and it's, it's crazy the type of relationship me and Ichi had. Like, I sat right here. My stuff sat here. And he sat right next to me every game, every day, no matter where we were. Wherever I sat my stuff because I let off. You know, so I'd come out early, sit my stuff down, and he sat his stuff directly next to me. He talked about, he asked me about pictures. It was like, this is crazy. Like, Ichiro asking me stuff. Like, and that's, it's, it's just awesome. And uh, the big thing with me coming from L.A., I was, they tried to get me to walk more. And I asked him, uh, like, first day I met, I was like, Ichi, how do you walk more? And he told me the best thing anybody's ever told me, <laughs> rake first. <laughs> <laughs> so walking's out the door. Well, you've done plenty of that. I mean, you're a 300 hitter, and that's going to be exciting for this team. You, I see the 60 stolen bases, and my feeling is there's more to come as Could you get to know one. the league a little bit. But, you know, it's interesting in baseball today, we've kind of become this all-or-nothing game, and uh, it would seem that with Jerry DePoto and the way he's thinking and this team, you see they've got some guys that can run, that uh, that can be a powerful tool 
right. that you could bring to the table can be an intimidating tool. I played back in the day when the stolen base was bigger. Right. You know, how do you feel about the stolen base? And what do you think? I mean, how well, many can you steal? I mean, honestly, I had 60, and, you know, that was a blessing to get 60 again. But I, the first month, I, going into May, I had four. Oh. And then in July, like half way through July and August, I didn't steal any bases because Giancarlo hit a homer every time. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to make mine up in spurts. Right. But it's weird to me because, you know, we all watch the playoffs. And as soon as they get to the World Series in the playoffs, they ask guys to bunt, they ask guys to steal bases and do all of that. But nobody does it during the regular season. It's the craziest thing. Like, no one no one uses uses these weapons that they have until the last second until it's do or die, which is crazy. But change that. I'm going to try. Going to change it. You bet. We have very limited time left with D. Gordon, but since you brought up Stanton, and now you'll be playing with Nelson Cruz, I'm trying to envision – or think of someone who's had the chance to play alongside both of those guys. I think you might be the only one or on a very short list at least. I'm trying to look through the uh, <laughs> uh, baseball reference Rolodex. But, I mean, that those are two of uh, the greatest sluggers of their era. Right. Uh, what was it like when Stanton went on that absolute binge that made him the National League MVP? That was impressive. It was impressive, and I was on first base a lot. <laughs> was he wasn't letting you use your speed. It's out your side. It didn't matter. As long as, we, as long as I crossed that little little home plate, I was good. Uh, by the way, uh, I think that you are, you're very well worth the follow on Instagram, and you had one of the great Instagrams uh, I've seen in recent years. Uh, I want to say it was inside of your Lamborghini with yes. the McDonald's cup. See, what, <laughs> what happened was I was drinking – I, I don't let anything in my Lamborghini, and I have to. I'm the have, same way, dude. Because, yeah. <laughs> like, I've worked really hard for that car. <laughs> <laughs> so I took a, I took a picture of the cover. I was like, it was a joke. Like, I can't believe I have something in my – I'm letting this be in here. And then it was like, well, it's actually good because you didn't forget that eating – you ate McDonald's before you were a big leader, and since you're a big leader now, you're not going to stay away from it. So it was more like motivational, and I think people took. Please it. tell me you went through the drive-through. Yes. For yes. Sure. <laughs> what color is the Lamborghini? It's black. All right. I'm sure that the the uh, young man or woman in the McDonald's drive-through window have scoped out your car. <laughs> Probably they haven't seen any of those uh, coming through their window. Hey, D. This has been a lot of fun to get to know you. Uh, we are excited to get to know you even more in Peoria and spring training. But thanks for spending some time with us here on the hot stove and. Uh, Man, we are really excited to watch you play in a Mariners uniform. Thank you, guys. Yeah, thank you guys. Have a great spring. All right, thank you. That is D. Gordon, Mariners' new center fielder, kind enough to give us some time here on the hot stove. When we come back, Mariners' new first baseman, Ryan Healy, joins us after this timeout. All things Mariners, all offseason. The hot stove on 710 ESPN Seattle, 710sports.com, and the 710 Seattle Sports app. Well, hey, the time is now to join the club as a Mariners season ticket holder. You can lock in the best seats at the best prices to catch all the action at Safeco Field for 2018. You can pick up more information on the many benefits you'll enjoy as a season ticket holder by simply going to Mariners.com slash 18. Welcome back. A little bit of a special edition hot stove show live here from Safeco Field outside the Key Bank Diamond Club. Aaron Goldsmith, Shannon Dreher, Bill Kruger, and Ryan Healy, Mariners' new first baseman, is kind enough to join us. Ryan, it's our uh, first time meeting you and uh this is a pretty exciting time for you i'm sure to be uh putting on a new uniform a little bit of the unknown what, what have been your early days as a mariner like for you so far it's been exciting um 
you know, I had the opportunity to run into a couple guys in Miami with the Nelson Cruz workouts that he put together. Um, with how quickly he reached out to me, it was, it was special just playing against him as it was, but being able to be his teammate and everyone else that comes along with it, um, how personable he's been and everyone else um, that's reached out. It's, it's made the transition that much smoother for me. And, you know, coming up this, this week for, for this event and also to walk around the city a little bit, um, it's just been really exciting for me. You like the rain? Love the rain. <laughs> I, promise, I promise you that I'm not even lying. Really? I'm not lying. You got used to it in Eugene, probably. Exactly. There's plenty of this there. So, honestly, every time I get off the plane in the Pacific Northwest, I take a big, deep breath, and it just feels like home. All right. They got the right guy. That's right. <laughs> Today, That's you right. must really love. <laughs> yeah. Tell us a little bit about Camp Cruise. We saw some of the videos on Instagram, heard a little bit about it from a couple of people who were there. But what was that like to spend a, you know, a couple of days with those guys, start to finish? I had no idea what I was getting myself into. But when Nelson Cruz invites you somewhere, you buy a plane ticket the next day. So, that's exactly <laughs> what I did. And um, going there, I reached out to a couple of guys, Mitch Hanager being one, and then Ben Gamble, too. Um, ben being there, just not knowing what to expect. All I know is I expected to sweat a lot and work out, so I was looking forward to that. Um, also getting to socialize with the guys in a workout environment, um, a competitive environment, and also just watch how Nelson works was one of the, the biggest perks for me, someone who's probably one of the top two, three professionals in the game that you just look at and you're like, that's a big leaguer. For me, watching him work out and listening to him talk and how he just carries himself as a, as a human being, not just a ball player, but as a human being, it's, it's special. He said he kind of wanted to kind of embrace the new people a little bit early, give them a little taste of Mariner's culture. What, what came across? And then that's exactly what he did. So everything he was aiming for, he, he definitely nailed. I, it's it's got to be a tough transition, obviously, my first time being traded, but walking into a new clubhouse, um, shaking a lot of new hands, meeting a lot of new faces, and it's tough to form relationships right off the bat. But you do it in more of a controlled environment, whether it's in the weight room or you go out to dinner and have some drinks, whatever it may be. It's easier to let your guard down and uh, really converse more, and it's less of a, a veteran rookie, whatever con- conversation that it is. It's more of a person-to-person um, type atmosphere. So it was nice to have that kind of relationship even before going to spring training. Well, I would think fans, you know, we play in this uh, AL West and interleague, uh, interdivision play is such a, a big deal. So we've seen a lot of Ryan Healy, but uh, you played third, you played first. Now it looks like it's going to be first exclusively. Uh, how do you feel about first base and? Uh, I guess that's the impression that, that we're most interested in hearing about is uh, your ideas about first base and how you fit into the lineup. You know, I, I've played first base my entire life. Um, I can't even tell you how many innings I've spent over there all the way through my childhood to um, pony baseball, high school, college. It's been my, it's been my home. Um, third base was more of a professional transition to me. That's where I broke into the major leagues. But I think first base was somewhere I always thought that I would end up um, just because it's a comfort position for me. Um, being in Seattle to hopefully fill that void is something that I was really looking forward to that challenge and opportunity. Well, I can tell you something that I remember when uh, Mark McGuire was joining the A's. Okay, this is going back a ways when I was on the team. And they had him at third. And he was looking over at first base. We had a big left-handed first baseman that they liked a lot. Eventually he got over to first base and he did pretty well. So hopefully that will be your, <laughs> your same path. Exactly. That's the hope. Ryan Healy is our guest here on the Hot Stove Show. Mariner's new first baseman. All right, Ryan, let's, let's go back to the college roots a little bit. You know, for a long time, you know this better than anybody, the baseball program for the Ducks was dormant, right? It went away. It wasn't such a thing. And then, wouldn't you know it, all of a sudden the Beavs start being uh, kind of the program, uh, certainly on the coast, one of the premier programs in the country. And then all of a sudden uh, the Ducks think that they might want to start up a baseball program of their own. Uh, you were obviously a big part of kind of bringing that back to life, a first-round draft pick out of Eugene. Oh, what are your memories like in college being in this region, a California guy? And it's 
any memories you might have coming to Seattle to play the Huskies? Well, I think I know who your favorite Mariner is now, being an Andrew Moore with the Oregon State <laughs> Beaver alum. I'll remember that moving forward. I was trying to think, <laughs> is there another clubhouse that has a beef and a duck in it? I mean, is this – probably not right now, but if there's been one – I mean, Not that I had it. Actually, my roommate in high A, Ryan Gordon, was a, uh, a Beaver alum. So we were able to – you have to push the things aside and be not only teammates but roommates. Okay. Um, so we hope for the same type of uh, arrangement with Andrew. We hope you guys get along. Exactly. Moving forward, um, <laughs> the, the question was, Oregon was just kind of a dream for me. Uh, being a California kid, I had the opportunity to go to a lot of the Pac-12 Pac schools in, that, in California as it was. And visiting there, it didn't feel like home. Um, the minute I stepped foot in Eugene, it, it was just comfort. It was comfort. It was a college atmosphere. It was... You know, people that were willing to do whatever it took to to help maximize your on-field and off-field production. Um, you know, the terminology student-athlete, a lot of places, it's it's skewed in the, the sense that you're always an athlete. But they, they really cared about your academics, and that's why I have my degree. I went back and finished my first two off-seasons just because of their commitment and my own commitment to, to, to my academics. So, um, What's your degree in? Applied Business and Economics. Uh, does Jerry know about this? Yeah, he does. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not, but he'll, he'll hear about it now. Um, it, it was just it was comfort, and the coaching staff was all from Southern California, being George Horton. Um, Andrew Checkett was actually a, a local Oregon boy, but there was um, Jay Allman and other, other folk that were also in California guys that, that proved that the transition wasn't hard, and I think we all found that out very quickly when we all joined um, the reigning forces up there with the turf facilities, and uh, we learned how to play in the rain, so I'm excited to be able to do it again here. There's a roof. There's a You're roof. out There's of luck. Rough. It'll be cold. Not It'll be right wet, now, I guess. But... I, I was telling someone earlier, I had to have four pairs of batting gloves, one for each um, at bat and the dugout ready just in case I'm pouring rain, at least in, in college. It was tough to come by batting gloves nowadays. It's easier. but <laughs> When you're an amateur, not exactly. quite so much. Exactly. I can imagine. Playing in Oakland, uh, what are you going to miss about that building? The people that are in it. Yeah. They're small uh, but mighty. They are mighty. It was, it was a great, great group of people. That everyone that, from everyone that worked there to the teammates to the coaching staff. Um, great experiences there. Um, it was somewhere that, you know, it was it was home for a while. I mean, I got drafted by them, came up to the minor leagues, familiar faces all the time. But, you know, all good things come to an end. And they make ways for, for better things, which is why I'm now here in Seattle and, and ready to, to make some new memories and have some new successes up here. So as you look at your, your – you've had two full years in the big leagues. I don't know, full. That may not be quite accurate, but pretty close. And last year, 25 homers. But as watch, watching you as a hitter, you seem pretty focused on the middle of the field and inside the ball and not really looking to pull the ball and trying to hit for a higher average. Am I sort of ringing the right tune here with you? Or 100%. do you see yourself as someone that's going to be more focused on power? No, I, I think I, I want to be a complete hitter in that – that kind of falls more in the category of, you know, watch Robinson Cano, not to compare myself to him by any stretch, but, you know, he's a guy that hits three-plus every year with 20 to 30 homers all the time, and, you know, it's just consistency. I want to be the guy that that's, you know, not only driving in runs and hitting home runs and hitting doubles, but I want to be a guy that's hitting for high average and getting on base a lot and, you know, doing whatever I can to help the ball club win. I'm not going to, you know, be D. Gordon and steal 30, 40 bags for you guys, but, you know, if I can drive in 80 to 120 runs every year, I think that... Um, the win percentage around here will go up and success will continue to flourish. Are you a see-the-ball-hit-the-ball type of guy? Are you a film guy? What's kind of your makeup between the ears when it comes to that? Depends how the swing feels. It, it definitely fluctuates. I think that was the biggest 
complication for me was first full season, learning how to compete on, a, any, on a, any everyday basis um, against the highest of, of level of pitching. I mean, I have four, five, six sets of eyes on me every single day with the opponents, you know, pitching coach, assistant pitching coach, bullpen coach, catching coach, catchers, pitchers. Um, I have to be just as sharp, if not sharper than them, to make sure that my approach is locked in. So the opportunity to learn from some of the veterans that are on this team who have utilized those um, tools with the, the media that you have, the, the video, I want to learn how to use that to my advantage and find a way to have the most success to give myself the best opportunity for success every day. So the season ends last year. I'm sure you do some self-evaluation. What did you see and what did you want to kind of work on and, and bring into spring training wherever it was? People brought up, bring up 25 homers and you hit 270, whatever. I, I didn't leave last year excited about my numbers. I, I didn't leave last year feeling great about what I did. I, I felt like I learned a lot. I felt like there's a lot of things to improve on. And that's been my biggest goal this offseason is improving um, little things that will make me um, a better player over the longevity of my career. Um, Fine-tuning some approach things, fixing some mechanical things that um, may have gotten away from me in the second half. Um, first time playing 162 games in a long season, some things get away from you, health, um, mind, whatever it may be. Learning to control those things on every given, every day given basis and have the proper routine and preparation that you feel like you're ready to go compete at the big league level and have success. Our final minute here with first baseman Ryan Healy. You're a big guy, Ryan. Have, have you had some good meals while you've been in town? I mean, have you been able to scope out the culinary landscape all right? Uh, my girlfriend gave me flack for this earlier. There's a Cafe Yum right underneath the Hyatt, and Cafe Yum is like a college deca uh, delicacy for me. So <laughs> not only did I have one meal there today, but I had two. So Okay. Uh, that sounds fairly high in carbs. Is that? Is that <laughs> it's brown rice. It's healthy carbs. Okay, yes, very nice. Very <laughs> Double nice. chicken, too, so I got the healthy protein right, in there. nicely done. <laughs> hey, Ryan, this is our first time meeting you, man. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for the time. Uh, welcome to Seattle. And we can't wait to talk to you more and watch you more in spring training. Thank you guys so much for having me. Looking forward to it. Mariners first baseman Ryan Healy, kind enough to join us here on the hot stove. We've got plenty more to get to. This has been a fantastic show so far. D. Gordon, Ryan Healy. When we come back, Mariners catcher Mike Zadino. This should be a lot of fun. Mariners catcher Mike Zadino comes up after this quick break. Back to more of the hot stove on 710 ESPN Seattle, 710sports.com, and the 710 Seattle Sports app. Well, buy more and save. Discounted tickets are available for groups of 20 or more. Flexible seating options, private hospitality, and picnic packages are all available to complete your groups at the ballpark. For more information, you can book your 2018 group date by visiting mariners.com slash groups. Hot stove show here from Safeco Field rolls along outside the KeyBank Diamond Club. This has been a this has been a off the charts good show, and uh, we have high expectations for our next guest. We've heard from D Gordon, we've heard from Ryan Healy, a couple of newcomers. It's nice to see a familiar face, one of our favorites, Mike Sanino. Mike, how you doing, man? I'm doing really well. How are you guys doing? Doing well. How, what's it like? Uh, you know, you were just in Florida the other day, I'm sure, warm and sunny, and now you're back home, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I spend more time here. It's actually been cooler in Florida than it has been here, so I've been waiting to come here and just sort of enjoy the weather. How's the offseason going? It's going well. I mean, it's obviously one of those things where uh, nice to take a, a month to, to reboot and relax, but uh, it's been nice kicking it back into gear, and after the holidays you can really get it going and uh, looking forward to getting back on the field. You look at the team right now that's been coming together in the offseason, and one of the neat things, and some people, more moves, more moves, but a lot more set this year. You guys, you know, had so many new faces last year, and you're going to go into camp recognizing a lot more. Yeah, I think when you can go into camp and, and not have some question marks everywhere, it, it's really nice. I mean, obviously, we have some great pieces. 
Um, I mean, Jerry's done a great job of, of filling those needs, and uh, it's going to be fun to go in there and have you mean the lineup pretty much set. And I mean, we have some great arms in camp, so it's going to be it's going to be really nice to see those guys come out and get things going. And uh, you mean health is the big thing, but I think we'll be good this year. I would think after this past season, I mean, you obviously have had some great stretches in the big leagues, but you were able to really make it last the whole season. We really started to see those glimpses become much, much more consistently seen beyond the stuff you do behind the plate. That must have been very gratifying for you. I know you're not resting on your laurels, but you must you must feel differently coming into this year. 100%. You know, uh, it's one of those things where um, – it, it took some some major changes and, and to overhaul some stuff, but uh, it happened at the right time. Um, some stuff was done to to fix my swing, and it made sense. And I think that was the biggest thing. It finally felt right. It felt natural. And uh, to be able to have some results to back that up is really going to be good to go into that. And and I have you mean quite the foundation now to lean on when when stuff does go bad. I can really fix it quick. Mike, can you tell us about June? What was that like? Now that you've had a chance to step back from it and reflect on it. What was that month like for you? Just completely blacked out. I have no idea. <laughs> In a no. very good way. Yeah, yeah. No, uh, it, it was great. I mean, it was one of those things where uh, I, I had one, one I want to say, phase of swing adjustments that I did, and, and June was really when it hit the ground running. Um, but I, I really give a lot of credit. You mean, when I first got called back up from that, I, I went one for 17, and, I mean, Skip called me in his office and said, hey, look, he's like, trust it. And uh, that was at the end of May, and, you mean, June sort of – was me trusting that. And then uh, I made a couple more tweaks as the season went on to uh, sort of combat what guys were doing. And, and that was the biggest thing. But I, th- I think June really was the confidence boost that I needed. There are always ups and downs. And July was a little bit rougher. Mm-hmm. What was different about July, though, for you? Because August and September were very good. Yes. I mean, obviously, I, I incorporated a, a much larger leg kick. Um, I narrowed up. So I needed to realize how, how can I shut that leg kick down if guys slide step. Um, I put a little bit more movement in my hands to match my leg kick, so it gave me some rhythm. Um, so th- there was other things that I was still working on. It was really getting the foundation down and then making the small adjustments to, to iron everything out. And, uh, I mean, August and September were really, I mean, me finding out who I was and how I was going to use that swing for certain guys. You know, as a pitcher, and I watched, you've seen a lot of your bats, probably most all of your bats mm-hmm. from, from, from the broadcast booth, but... Uh, the thing that's so noticeable, above, above and beyond the things you're talking about, is your ability to hit the ball to the right side mm-hmm. of the field and not just hit it there where you're just trying to make some kind of soft serve to survive, but actually really doing it with some authority. Mm-hmm. Um, is that something that I think you just discovered, that you could actually do it? And now that you're doing it, do you feel like it's just there for you, that you could just think that way? Yeah, that, that, that was the biggest adjustment. I mean, if somebody asked me who I was as a hitter, what my strengths were, I'd always say, I mean, right center, but it was more of a mentality. You know what I mean? And now it's one of those things where my swing allows me to do that. And, you mean, I want to drive balls, you mean, out to right center. And, you mean, if I'm a little bit in front, that's when I, you mean, I can do that to a breaking ball and pull it. Um, but that was the biggest thing was being able to really focus on right center, try to drive balls in that gap. And that actually helped me pull the ball because I was staying on everything and hit a lot of, a lot of balls truer to the left side. Well, I'm telling you as a pitcher that uh, you continue to do that, it becomes a major problem. A major <laughs> problem. I'm just giving you a little bit of, like, the mental side of what the pitcher's looking at. When guys stay on balls and smear them to right field, and then they know that there's a major problem to come inside, you really start holding all the cards in your hand. Yep. So. And that was the goal doing that. <laughs> all right, Mike, let's, um, let's go 
Let's go defensive side of things here for you. I'm pulling up the full list of names of pitchers that the Mariners used last year. Now, there were 40 in total, right? We're which not going to make him name them all? Which tied a major league record. But I'm just going to – let's just go through some of these, okay? I think this will be fun for the fans. Like, this is a good trivia game. Did this person pitch for the Mariners last year? <laughs> oh, it would be a new game show. Yeah. We definitely have a full season all right. of it. Now, there, obviously, a lot of these are very familiar names. But let's – all right, Zach Curtis, Casey yeah. Fien, Ryan Garten. All right, let's keep going down the list. Chris Heston. Uh, let's see. Gene Machi, Evan Marshall. Cody Martin, we saw him. Dylan Overton, right? I mean, I think I think you get what we're Max Posey. Carlos Ruiz. Carlos Ruiz. Oh. Was, he, was, he was next on the list. Um, oh, I see Thiago Vieira's name, and now I have to put the brakes on my question and say, what in the world did you say to the umpire after Thiago's oh. warm-up pitch at like 100 went that – so that's one of my better stories because uh, Gary, Gary's great behind the plate. And, uh, Cedars uh, from, right? Gary's, yes, okay. and, and he's uh, great to talk to. You can hold conversation with him. I've had him a lot, you mean, so far in my career behind the plate. So we have a good, you mean, good, good lines of communication. First of all, tell for those who don't remember what we're talking about, set it up and, and tell the full story. So uh, I, Vieira comes in. He's making his major league debut. I've caught him one time in spring training. He knows he throws 100 miles an hour plus. And um, he comes in, and he starts letting some pitchers rip. And Gary usually stands on the outside of the circle, and we talk. And I told him, I said, hey, this guy's making his major league debut, um, throws 104. Um, I've caught him one time. So I, I said, so if I have to get out of the way, I'm going right. You can go behind me. And he starts laughing. He goes, he goes Z, if you have to do that, he said, I'm, I'm never talking to you again. And as he says that, it's the last warm-up pitch, and Vieira pulls it so far to the left. It may have missed him by, it seemed like a foot, but it may have been like three or four. And it goes all the way to the backstop, almost in the air. And Gary looks at me and goes, what was that? <laughs> his, his, his back was there. I said, I, said I, I, I told you, I've only caught him once. I didn't know where it was going. But um, it, it was just one of those things where I felt, I felt bad for Vieira because I didn't know how he was. I didn't have the time to, he landed that day. I didn't know how much confidence he had going into it. But he came in and threw a great, actually the first pitch, was the line drive right yes. back to him. Yes, that's and, right. Um, and thank God he caught it because it would hit him square in between the eyes. But uh, I forgot about that. But between those two pitches back-to-back, back, it was a pretty uh, pretty scary <laughs> pretty eventful, pr- pr- pretty scary two pitches. Well, it made the, the warm-up pitch, the last one made for, like, the gif of the year. I mean, it oh, really yeah. did. Cedarstrom's face was just sensational. And when it happened, I just said, hey, Gary, can we get a new ball? <laughs> so it was, it, it, was, it was a good time. And obviously when you can laugh that stuff off with them, it makes sure. it even better. Also on that list, Erasmo Ramirez and Mike Lake. They're going to be a big part of the rotation this year. What have you learned about them? Um, well, I'll go back. I'll start with Erasmo. I mean, obviously, I, I caught him a lot um, when I first got called up. And, uh, I mean, when, when he went over to Tampa, he made some big changes. Um, he developed a cutter. I mean, obviously, the changeup's still a very good pitch. The sinker's great. Um, but it's just one of those things where that cutter really helped him stay on the ball. He can drive that ball into left-handed hitters. Um, he has enough of a slider to show it. And um, it, it, that cutter, to me, just really solidified what he is as a pitcher. And uh, he can get a lot of weak contact. He can fill the strike zone up. And, and I think he really grew as a pitcher over there. And, uh, I mean, Mike Leake, I mean, th- there's not enough good stuff to stay from, from what I saw from him. Uh, he just came over. He, he's just so professional in what he does. Uh, commands both sides of the plate with all of his pitches. I think he's got, like, five or six. But it, it, it's a ton. He's got curveball slider, cutter, changeup, sinker, four seam. And, and he could just do it all. Um, mm-hmm. But he's a guy that, I mean, 
sort of had that ability. I mean, he got – I don't think he has any minor league time. So to see right. how – to see how he developed and to be that type of guy, I mean, he can really hit his spots, and I think he can teach a lot to those guys that aren't going to outstuff guys really how to pitch. One of the few guys who has less minor league time than Mike Zanino. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, we, we have two minutes, literally two minutes left with you, but to get back to uh, my original question before I went off the wheels with uh, the Thiago Vieira gift, uh, to think about the career year that you had offensively last mm. season, while also maintaining this buffet of pitchers, 40 and all that you had to learn. I mean, what was that like? How much did that challenge you for what is your great skill set of being behind the plate? Yeah, I think having a little bit of that offensive um, success helped. I mean, because obviously if it was struggling there, that could lead there uh, into struggles on the defensive side. But to me, it it taught me a lot as a catcher. How am I going to interact with guys? I mean, a lot of the times I met a guy that flew in that day and you I mean you're trying to run it? And we were we were so thin that those guys were pitching that day. Right. So um, it just really like taught you how to read swings, how to use this guy's strengths, and and it sort of taught me how to call games and not overthink the game plan, but stick to our guy's strengths and try to exploit the hitter's weaknesses and just keep it as simple as that. Mike, we we love talking to you, man. It's so good to see you, especially this time of year. We know that you're busy during the off season getting ready, but uh, hopefully the knees are feeling a little rested, right? They're they're, they're good to go. Okay. I mean, ha- however many Skip needs me in there for, I should be good. <laughs> And uh, pitchers and catchers are coming up, uh, what, right around Valentine's Day, right? Yep. Oh, yeah. That's always nice. That's two, always... two years in a row on Valentine's <laughs> Day. So I, so I owe my wife a good dinner after we report. Mike, it's always a treat, man. Thank you for stopping by. It's great to have you in town. We can't wait to see you and catch up more down in Peoria. Thank you, guys. Thanks for having me. You got it. One of our favorites, Mike Sunino, stopping by. As that'll do it for uh, the first hour here on the Hot Stove Show. And this is a very special edition here from Safeco Field, live outside the Diamond Club. And, boy, second hour is going to be just as packed. As the first, we will be hearing from Mitch Hanniger, Scott Service as well. James Pazos will be joining us from the caravan alongside Rick Riz and also Kyle Lewis as well, Mariners' top prospect. So a lot to get to. we got more coming up. Second hour of the Hot Stove Show is coming up with Mitch Hanniger right after this. Time out. It's time to talk Mariners baseball. Holy smokes. With spring training just around the corner, we are geared up for baseball. This is at the wall, and it is gone into the bullpen for a two-run homer. Some serious hang time from Nelson Cruz. It's the hot stove on 710 ESPN Seattle. 710sports.com and the 710 Sports app. Hour number two of a very special edition hot stove show. Here from Safeco Field, right outside the KeyBank Diamond Club. This has been just an off-the-charts great show so far. D. Gordon, Ryan Healy, Mike Zanino, and we kick off the second hour with another familiar face, Mitch Hanniger, Mariners right fielder, joins us. Mitch, it's great to see you. How are you, man? I've been doing great. It's good to be on here with you guys. What's it like coming back to Safeco Field this time of year? It's always nice to be in Seattle. I don't care what time of year it is. So um, when I got the call to come up, I said, of course, and I love Seattle, so... We're excited to get up here. Did, do I? Did I hear correctly that you are a, a homeowner in Seattle now? Yep, first home, West Seattle. Congrats, yeah. man! Thank you. That's terrific news. What was the thought process in that? Because I know for a lot of guys, the idea of, of buying property, especially in a real estate market like Seattle, uh, is kind of a dicey thing, right? When you're a player. Yeah. Um, so where I'm from, the market's a little worse. <laughs> so in the Bay Area, it's a little more <laughs> yeah. than Seattle. That was a big issue, and you know we like it up here, and we spend six months of the year up here every year. So. We decided to make this home. Fantastic. Uh, down in California, your off-season workout, I see some videos every now and then. You have a place where you work out. You kind of really kind of get into more of the higher tech things. What, what are some of the things that you've been doing? Um, just a lot of, like, powerlifting and sprinting and um, med ball throws, kind of just preparing for a long season. Um, 
very similar to every off season the past four years, five years, and I've been training at a place called Sparta Science since 2011, and this year's been going great, better than every year prior. And I and I say that every year, but it's actually the truth. Every year, I feel the best shape of my life going into the next season, and hopefully for throughout the rest of my career, that's how I feel every single off season. How much of that is? You know, staying in baseball shape, getting into baseball shape, and how much is that uh, skills? And, and what kind of impact does it have on baseball skills, that kind of work that you do in the off season? Definitely a mix of both. Um, for me, the training stuff, I really enjoy weightlifting and sprinting and all that kind of stuff. For for some guys, it's kind of um, a chore, but I, I like it. Like it's, I get Immediately when I get home, I get back into the gym and start working out and trying to get ready for the next year. And as well as um, in – November, I usually start slightly swinging and start build up as it goes because in my mind, I can always tailor it back if I'm getting too ready too fast, and I never want to feel like I'm like, oh, no, spring training's in four weeks. I feel like I'm so far from being ready. I'm, I'm kind of the opposite. I go, okay, I can take two days off, and, I'm, and I feel comfortable mm-hmm. with that. So uh, I've been traveling around to L.A. Um, a couple different times, hitting with some hitting guys and trying to just get smarter and get gain some more knowledge on my swing. and be able to make adjustments throughout the year so you hit almost year-round <laughs> yeah i take a full month off and then slowly ease back into it well it's got to be you know last year kind of a bittersweet year i mean you obviously proved that you can play at a very high level but then you had injuries and some of that you obviously cannot control but my guess is coming here that you're walking into this season not very not it's not trepid for you you got to feel like enormously confident based upon those great stretches you had last year yeah i mean it's definitely good things to build off last year and good things to um, kind of go back in the off season and plan around to see if I can get better at, at certain things I've been working on, and it's been going well. Um, and just always trying to improve in everything. I think that's the biggest thing, we're trying to learn and, and improve. Um, this year, definitely feel confident, and I felt very confident coming in last year as well. But just seeing how the American League is and, and the competition within our division and how great that is, um, I'm looking forward to Seven back on the field as soon as possible. Mariners right fielder Mitch Hanniger is our guest here on the Hot Stove Show. You know, Mitch, a, a lot of guys take a little vacation at the end of the season, right? Well earned, and maybe some go to Hawaii. You went to Hawaii, but this does not seem like it was for a vacation. Can you tell us all the good stuff that you're up to there? Yeah, so we were in uh, Hilo, Hawaii, with more than a game baseball. It's a um, nonprofit organization. We go to mostly inner cities or areas of need and renovate their baseball fields and try to, you know, revive the city and spread the love of the game to places that where it might not be um, very popular and luckily in Hilo the population the community there was unbelievable they they had they were so pumped for us to be out there and a couple of the dads came out every day to help us out to work on the field and and two of them you know had access to tractors and stuff like that so we were able to renovate two of their fields so you're and, physically doing this work. yeah it was I wasn't expecting it to be that hard of work. But it was tough. <laughs> I got a different appreciation for what uh, the ground screw does sure. for our field every year but, yeah, it was, it was a good time. Got to work hand-in-hand hand with the kids and um, share the love of the game with them. What was it like to kind of hand over a field to them and see them, okay, this is for you guys? It was cool, yeah. Um, and they were, they were pretty pumped. We made it, cleaned up a lot of trash, cleaned up. Um, they had a clubhouse there that kind of – there was a big homeless population in Hilo, and some people were actually living in the clubhouse there. So really? we had to knock some stuff down and clear it out. And, and you know, they said that they were going to board it up before we left so to keep people from living mm-hmm. in there. And uh, but it was good. They they were real happy. You had the opportunity. You've got some new teammates. We've already talked to a couple of them today, and one of them is going to be new to the outfielder. Have you had a chance to chat with D Gordon yet? 
I met him briefly, and we were in Scott's office all talking for a little bit, but I'm um, looking forward to getting to know him better and met Ryan as well. Um, talked to Ryan a little bit whenever he would play first, and I'd get on base last year. Uh, and tomorrow we're going to lunch together, so we'll have to get, in, get to know each other a little better then. Good. You know, the news of the day, obviously, around baseball, and especially here in Seattle, is Edgar coming just short 70.4% of the vote to get into Cooperstown, needing 75 it is evident, Mitch, to anyone who follows you on social media that you have a, a pretty serious liking to your hitting coach, and not only in uh, the information that you share, uh, decide to uh, retweet, but also you got in a, a, a really interesting Twitter conversation uh, kind of sharing a story of Edgar in the batting cage just smoking line drives back and forth or up, and up, uh, up through the middle of the field. Can you tell us a little bit about what it is like for you working with Edgar and clearly a relationship that's blossomed very quickly over a year? Yeah, it's been unbelievable. I mean, to learn from a guy who's that good and just that good of a – I mean, why I'm so attracted to Edgar is how good of a person he is and how always, he's so prepared every day as a coach, and I know that's how he was as a player. So, to me, it's someone I look up to. So, I'm trying to gain as much knowledge as I, as I can from him on a daily basis. This is more so – this goes beyond just the – Yeah, I mean, total package. Sure. If you, everything. Family man, great. Everything about the guy. I have – I haven't found something I didn't, haven't liked yet, so <laughs> <laughs> it's been good. Did you ever find yourself, because I think this is one of the questions when Edgar was originally hired, how would especially young hitters react to approaching Edgar for help, right? Because he is, well, let's see, he's got the award named after him, the street named after him, right. the restaurant named after him. I mean, he's Edgar Martinez. What was that like for you when you first started working with Edgar? It's been, it has been pretty easy because he's so humble and kind and easy to talk to so it was no he doesn't point to the anchor sign and yeah say, there was me. you know yeah he doesn't have this big ego <laughs> where you're kind of scared off by him he, he understands the game he understands how hard it can be and i never got the impression of him you know it was like it was that easy just go and do it right or some guys they can come off that way so for me it's always been it's always been good and last year i kind of i talked to him a lot but i didn't as much as i'd like to because you we were kind of you know i was a rookie and i was getting getting to know everybody, but this year I'm looking forward to picking his brain a lot more. I remember a couple of years ago some of the players would say they would try and find ways to get Edgar to hit because they wanted to see him hit. <laughs> yeah. uh, do you guys still do that a little bit? of it? How much has he hit? Out we, on the I haven't. Um, so spring training was the only time I saw him hit, okay. and I saw enough I needed to see. <laughs> <laughs> Me and Valencia were hitting off the curveball machine on the field, and and it was they were pretty nasty. Like we were, I was struggling for the first couple pitches, and then finally started hitting some line drives. And some of the fans were behind um, the fence screaming for Edgar. And me and Valencia were egging him on, and we didn't think he would actually do it. But then he hopped in, grabbed a random bat, in the first three were line drive missiles. And, like, that's – I can't do that after taking a month <laughs> off in the off season. And this, he comes in after I don't know how many years off and just hits line drive after line drive. It's unbelievable. When you look at what this lineup will be for the Mariners this season, what, how excited are you? You're really excited. I mean, this, <laughs> is, this is going to be There's an no incredible holes. lineup. There's no holes. Yeah, everybody's got to stay healthy and just do their part. I mean, keep it simple and just stay within yourself. I mean, everyone, we have protection at every spot. Mm -hmm. Your biggest takeaway in terms of, of growth from last season, Mitch? Nothing crazy that jumps out at me. Um, just trying to be a professional and learn and, and help other guys as well. I think it's huge to be able to – baseball such a tough game. It's, there's a lot of negativity around, you know, when you don't have good games, and that sure. happens a lot because it's not a very, you know, being a hitter, it's not, you don't find success every single game. So just helping another guy out when he's not doing well, I think that really brings the team morale up and brings up another guy when, you know, you might be feeling good and 
you know, hopefully he'll do the same for you. That sounds very Nelson Cruz-like, although Nelly doesn't struggle much. No. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't struggle. I, mean, I, I think I, he had like three bad games. <laughs> but, I mean, he is he is a guy that, and we've all spoken to Nelson about this, that is a guy who is obviously a DH and not, is not on the field uh, all that often, except for when he's in the batter's box. He stays locked in by talking to you guys. Yes. Yeah, that's, I admire him for how good of a leader he is. Trying to learn from that guy as well. You know, one day I hope to be still playing at the age he is and yeah. helping the younger guys. Mitch, this has been a lot of fun, man. Uh, we appreciate you stopping by. It's yeah. always good to see you. And, Thank you for uh, having me. We are, uh, we're pumped for what 2018 holds for Mitch Hanniger and the Mariners. Same here. Thank you, guys. Thanks, man. There is uh, Mitch Hanniger. Boy, this has been, uh, I'm telling you, you know, we got Scott Service coming up. And uh, this is going to be tough for Scott because uh, we've got, and we're, we're four for four, Shannon. Right? Four for four and getting stories, too. And getting stories. D, Ryan Healy, Zanino, of course, now Mitch Hanniger. And uh, Scott Service will be joining us in just a few moments. We'll add a Safeco Field Suites to your list of places to check out in 2018, whether hosting clients and coworkers or family and friends. You and your guests will enjoy Mariners baseball from the comfort of a private suite. This premium seating option includes game tickets, VIP parking, private Skybridge entry, and catering credit. For more information, just check out Mariners.com slash premium. Hot Stove Show, the special edition here from Safeco Field, carries on. When we come back, the skipper, Scott Service, joins us after this timeout. Back to more of the Hot Stove on 710 ESPN Seattle, 710sports.com, and the 710 Seattle Sports app. Some good news. Single-game tickets are on sale now, which means you can lock in your seats to some of the biggest games of the year, including opening night. Kids opening day, fireworks nights, big matchups against the Yankees, the Dodgers, and many more. If you're ready for Mariners baseball at Safeco Field, you can visit any Mariners team store or Mariners.com to pick up your tickets. Welcome back inside the Hot Stove Show. A very special edition here from inside Safeco Field. Aaron Goldsmith, Shannon Dreher, Bill Kruger, joined now by the Skipper, Scott Service. Skip, it's good to see you. How are yeah, things? Good to see you guys. It's uh, great to see you. I've been listening to a few podcasts. Oh, are you a podcast? Thank you for downloading. With our general manager, it's amazing what I've picked up over this offseason <laughs> and some of the crazy stories you guys have gotten into. So uh, I will stay away from the podcast with you. <laughs> oh, no, it's, it's harmless. It's harmless. Okay. Have you been able to, uh, you know, kick your feet up at least a little bit this offseason? Uh, not much. Uh, you know, it's just offseasons go by really quick, and that's a, it's not a bad thing, but you know, I think with you know some of the changes we've made in our coaching staff, we, we did some interviews early in the off season to add some new guys. Uh, we got caught up in the Otani thing that, that sure. took a few few weeks there and some time. And then, you know, I did get some opportunity around, around the holidays, spend some time with family and travel a little bit. But you know, once the new year hits, it's spring training right around the corner, and, and I'm excited. Can't wait to get going. Uh, we've got a couple new additions at the ball club, getting to spend some time with those guys. And I think our, our fans are really going to be able to connect with those guys and, and bring them back and hopefully stay healthy this year. We've got a lot to look forward to. Kind of some different configurations with the coaching staff. And then the addition of the high performance director, Dr. Lorena Martin. It seems like things behind the scenes and the access that your athletes have to different kinds of health is going to be very different yeah we're going to a little bit different model of the pitching we've hired two new pitching guys to come in to help mel stottlemyre and uh new bullpen coach uh, brian DeLunis comes to us uh, a little bit different background uh you know, worked at the University of Missouri, worked at some Max Scherzer and some of those guys when he was over there. Uh, he'll go into our bullpen and, and helping kind of in an assistant pitching coach role is Jim Brower. And Jim, I think, played for 11 or 12 different teams in the big leagues. Uh, he's coached with Kansas City and the Chicago Cubs to help out Mel. So, and Jim will be in charge of kind of our game planning. So really trying to, to create a better ratio player to coach. 
on the pitching side? It seems for years you've had, you know, for your position players, 12 or 13 guys, you've got like four or five position player coaches, hitting coach, you've got infield, outfield coach, base running, and the pitching is like one pitching coach with 12 guys. So just to make much sense. So we're trying to balance that out and, and hopefully get more out of our pitchers. Well, you know, you've got a few new faces. Uh, clearly, you know, pitching's got to be something that, you're, that, that if anything keeps you awake at night, that's probably it. But we got a chance to meet Ryan Healy and D. Gordon. And, I mean, you've got to be, like, you're very excited about what those guys can bring to the table. Maybe your thoughts about what you see those guys doing. Well, D. Gordon, he's been in the league for a while, and he's got some track record. Uh, this guy has, has hit 300. Uh, he's been a gold glover at second base. Obviously, we're going to move him to the outfield. He's stolen 60 bases last year. He adds a lot uh, to the top of our lineup as far as a disruptor on the bases and what he can do there. We saw the value of that last year. You know, Dyson brought some of that to us. Uh, hopefully, you know, D has a track record of, of being more consistent. He can play every day. And where he's at in his career, really going to be big. Love the addition of Ryan Healy. Uh, I think his fans get to know him. He's a very uh, energetic guy. He's going to play with a little chip on his shoulder and, and show his emotions on his sleeve, which I think fans appreciate. They can connect with those type of players. Um, and our lineup is as deep as anybody's in the league. Pitching, you know, is going to be talked about a lot where we're at there. Uh, I, I really like the, the strength of our bullpen and the depth of our bullpen. Uh, hopefully having David Phelps healthy the whole year, along with us signing Juan Nicasio, Eddie Diaz has another year under his belt. Nick Vincent, if he can do anything close to what he did last year, would be awesome. So, you know, starting pitching, we're going to need guys to pitch innings, stay healthy, will be the key there. Scott Service is our guest here on the hot stove. And let's talk about kind of some conversations that it sounds like you and Jerry have had about maybe looking at baseball a little differently, right? This idea that maybe a six-man rotation is an okay thing for a stretch of time. The, fav- the schedule is favorable uh, in the beginning part of the season with off days. Uh, but uh, what are how are you guys going about kind of I mean, this is a game that's been around for over 100 years and you guys are it sounds like looking at this and maybe asking some real questions about you know maybe we can do things a little bit differently and that's an okay thing yeah the game constantly evolves we, we see it you know starting pitchers nowadays don't go as deep in the games there's more emphasis put on bullpen guys and different roles there but looking at our starting pitching uh, because we do have a lot of off days early in the season, I doubt that you'll see us break camp with six starters, but I do think there might be a point during the season to give maybe an extra day rest for, for Mike Leak, for James Paxson, for Felix Hernandez. could be very valuable as the season plays out. So, you know, we're certainly open to everything. We've talked a lot about it. You know, you need to have the right guys to put in there. You can't just fire a guy in there who maybe not be, be ready for it or, you know, every extra start you give that six starter, you, you might be taking one away from James Paxton. So you've got to balance that, but it's something we certainly talked about. It's something that's getting talked about by a lot of teams in baseball and trying to keep our guys healthy. And, and the guys do seem to respond a little bit better when they have that extra day of rest once in a while. Another way teams are going is using more bullpens, sometimes just not going that third time through the rotation. How do you get a bullpen ready for that? Well, I think it's really important to have guys that can go more than just three outs. And I think when we acquired Juan Nicasio, I was with Juan in the Dominican about 10 days ago, and one of the first questions I asked him is, you know, you're okay four or five outs? He goes, oh, no problem, Skip. I pitch every day. I'm like, that's exactly what I want to hear. He's <laughs> enormous, isn't he? He's I a big he's... guy. Yeah, he's very physical. Uh, big guy. He's put together, and he's starting to, to figure things out a little bit later in his career, and I think we got him at a good time. But, you know, to, to your point, uh, Shannon, your question is you've got to have guys that can just do more than just get you three three outs. And, you know, David Phelps has a history of doing that. Uh, you know, Nicasio can do that. Pazos can do that. Other guys, Nick Vincent's more suited just for the three outs. And we've seen that and, and kind of how he's built. So understanding your personnel, trying to get them in spots that they can be consistent and then be able to bounce back day after day. When you look at the rotation, I mean, we've mentioned Leak and Felix and, and Pax, and, of course, health is going to be a monumental thing for this year, and I know that that's 
clearly what's in the minds uh, when you think about the top of the rotation. Of course, Leaf, he's a 30-start machine. Do you see competition in the four and five, or do you see the competition? And I'm not trying to take anything away from Rossman because I know he's terrific. Yeah. But do you see that as a, a mix of competition in the four or five? Or do you think the competition's in the five? I think more of the competition is probably in the five. Uh, okay. We really like what Erasmo did last year. Yeah. I thought he was outstanding uh, when we acquired him. And once we got him stretched out a little bit because he was coming from the bullpen in Tampa, uh, but getting him comfortable, I was really impressed with what he did. I think, you know, in the five hole, you know, you've got Marco Gonzalez that we acquired, Andrew Moore, Ariel Miranda, the guy who pitched a lot for us last year. You know, we need one of those guys to step up and kind of grab hold of that. And competition's a good thing. I don't think you should ever go into spring training and have your team totally set. We do have competition there. We've got competition at backup catcher, you know, utility role, maybe fourth outfielder if already is not completely healthy. So there will be plenty of competition in spring training. But like I said, the, the core of our club is pretty well set. What do you think, when you think about Felix and Pax, and uh, Pax, of course, is an, a monster talent, and Felix has still got the ability to be, a great pitcher for a long stretch of time because he sinks the ball and he pitches the bottom of the zone. But what are you what are you guys doing with them in specifically trying to get them stronger? Has that been a big focus? And how have they done with that this offseason? Well, I think if guys move throughout their career, I know uh, Paxton is dying to be able to throw a 30-start season out there because he knows if he can stay out there, the numbers are going to take care of themselves. Um, and he's kind of at the point in the career he wants to take the next step. And it, it affects everything, your contract and moving forward. And, you know, we want to be the beneficiary of that 30-start season. So, you know, he has done some different things throughout probably the last year and a half to try to be a little bit more athletic. He's a big, lumbering guy, and everybody loves the fact he throws so hard. But being able to make adjustments a little bit quicker, um, you know, finding the breaking ball earlier in games sometimes is going to be important for him. I think with Felix, where he's at in his career, is he's got to train a little bit differently. Uh, you know, he, he isn't the guy that he used to be as far as the fastball velocity. Uh, we're going to try to set up more of a normal spring training for Felix. In the past, Felix would kind of come into spring training and work his way into shape. Uh, he's going to be throwing a bullpen in early in spring training this year. So he doesn't have to go from zero to 100 within about a six- or seven-day span because the season's coming. Oh, quick, i got to turn the dial up. So we're going to stretch it out a little bit and have more of a normal spring training with him. You know, those are two guys that are going to be key for us, keeping them healthy. But it's really important ready to go right out of the gate on March 29th. Uh, you know, those games in April are, are just as important as the games in September. We have a few minutes left with Scott Service, Mariner Skipper. You've had a chance to see D. Gordon in person. What, what's it looking like in center field for you? Uh, uh, about what I expected. Uh, the fact that it, it's, it's very athletic. Obviously, he's one of the fastest guys in Major League Baseball. You never know quite how it's going to transition. I did see him work out in Orlando about 10, 11 days ago uh, with Chris Prieto, who's been down there a couple times, you know, kind of teaching him some nuances uh, and jumps and how to approach different things. There's nothing like game reactions, and that's going to be the thing that he's going to have to catch. He is going to stub his toe once in a while. It's going to happen. It's a whole new position for him. But uh, I'm excited about how he goes about his, his work ethic is off the chart. He's got instincts to play the game. His dad was a big leaguer. His brother's a big-time prospect with the Twins. He gets it, you know, not just in the batter's box, but how important the defense is. And he's got a lot of pride. And he's won a gold glove at second base. He wants to win a gold glove in center field, and there's no reason he can't. Have you – I'm sure you've thought about it. Are you willing to commit yet as to how D and Segura fit in the lineup? Is that something you want to figure out in spring training? What's, what's your thought process there? Uh, D Gordon's been a very effective leadoff hitter. Um, Segura likes hitting leadoff as well. I've talked to Gina, the Dominican. We, they know we have a good team. We have a very deep team. And, and it's, you know, just be in the starting nine. I think it's the key where you hit it, whether it's two or six or one or whatever. Uh, the, the guys understand where we're at. They want to figure out a way to make it work. Right now, I like D. Gordon at the top of the lineup. Gotcha. 
Fewer new faces this year. A lot things kind of more certain. Do you go into spring and you've made the visits? Nelson had his little mini camp down there too. Is it a little bit more of hit the ground running in spring training this year? Other work has been done. Yeah, certainly. Uh, I think it's important that, uh, you know, like I said, we don't have 11, 12, 13 new bodies that are going to be in our 25-man roster. We probably have three or four maybe at top. So not only do does it help me and our coaching staff, it helps the players. They know what to expect. You know, when you're bringing in players from new organizations all the time, it takes them a while to get comfortable and let their guard down, really trust the coaching staff and trust their teammates. We don't have as much of that this year. So I am looking to hit the ground running. There's some areas we do need to improve on, one of them being base running. Uh, it's something we've, we've talked a lot about this offseason and how to go about it and, and create awareness and, and make better decisions on the bases, and we'll spend a lot of time on it. Because the guys know how I'm wired and the rest of our coaching staff, I think we can get right after it right away. You uh, have a new bench coach this year, Manny Acta. This is a guy that you know very well, obviously. Is uh, there anything that is out of the norm for you and Manny in terms of preparing for the season? Anything that you guys do one-on-one? Or is it you guys have such a good relationship and know each other so well that it's just he just has a different name and a title on his business card this year? Yeah, we, we do have a good relationship. Uh, spending time with him, certainly Manny's managing the big leagues a lot, uh, understanding situations. I think he knows my personality pretty well. I haven't worked close together the last couple years. And I think he he's admits there's things that I do that is different than what he did as a manager. But I think when we're all working together, it's going to make good decisions for our club. Put our guys in the right spots. Have a lot of preparation going into games. Um, you know, Manny will weigh heavily on that, as will Jim Brower, you know, the, and the assistant pitching coach and helping with the game planning. He is going to have a voice along with Mel, obviously, as we go through pitching changes and trying to match it up. So uh, the more the better. Um, and I think that we're getting comfortable with guys and trusting. Ultimately, I have to make the final call, but I want input. You know, you want to hear from people, and I want people that are okay expressing their opinion. i got to create the right environment for those guys to feel safe expressing their opinion. I think we'll be just fine. Hey, has Dr. Martin gone through your fridge yet? That's the only question. <laughs> Dr. Martin's not going through my fridge. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, we'll, we'll keep her focused on the players. Stay out of the coach's room. But uh, no, she's going to be a great asset for us. There's no doubt. Um, I'm looking forward to working with her very closely. Scott, it's a pleasure. Thank you for the time. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Mariner Skipper, Scott Service. We've got more coming up here on the hot stove. We'll hear from Rick Riz, conversations with James Pazos, and Mariner's prospect Kyle Lewis from the Caravan. That's coming up after this timeout. All things Mariners, all off-season. The hot stove on 710 ESPN Seattle, 710sports.com, and the 710 Seattle Sports app. Well, this has been so fun tonight here at Safeco Field. We are getting ever close to baseball and the opportunity to sit down and and have the guys in front of us and talk to them and see the excitement. We have talked to the skipper, Scott Service, New Mariners, Ryan Healy and Dee Gordon. Of course, Mike Zanino, who we've talked to throughout the last couple of seasons and had a lot of fun with that. Missing tonight is Rick Riz. Where is Rick? Well, he is on the Mariners caravan right now. In fact, I think I saw a tweet, some pictures from a gym in Bellingham, which uh, he is, uh, and a group of guys are, are, are talking to the kids up there right now. And Rick took the opportunity to sit down with Kyle Lewis. We had the opportunity to see him earlier today at the Hutch Award lunch. It was great to see him up and moving. And, well, he sat down with Rick and had this conversation. Visiting with uh, Mariners outfielder, young outfield, one of the top prospects the Mariners organization and all of baseball, Kyle Lewis, as he gets ready for the 2018 season. Kyle, thanks a lot for joining us here on uh, Hot Stove. And uh, tell me a little bit about uh, the offseason. You've gone through a lot over the last couple of years. First-round draft pick, injured, torn ACL. How's the knee? What have you been doing during, during the offseason? Yeah, it's been, been a uh, you know a roller coaster for me. 2017 was a, you know, a learning year for me, transitional year, and 
But uh, the knee is getting getting back to where I want it to be, is the, and I feel like it's there now. And um, so going into 2018, I'm really excited. I feel like I'm back to the position that, you know, I know I can be at, and I'll be able to play at the level that I want to play at. And I know that I can for this next upcoming year. You get drafted uh, 11th pick overall by the Mariners in the June draft of 2016 out of Mercer University. What went through your mind when you heard your name called by the Seattle Mariners? Just a lot of a lot of excitement. It, it was a uh, you know, a feeling of, of, of satisfaction a little bit, feeling like I was overlooked a little bit coming up. And so, you know, being able to get some recognition, I think for me, really just fueled my fire. And, you know, I wanted to continue to, to, to strive for more accolades like that. How did you wind up at Mercer? Tell me a little bit about this baseball powerhouse that you came from. <laughs> well, I played basketball a lot in high school as well. Didn't really apply myself to baseball, you know, on the level that most of the people my age did fell behind a little bit in the travel ball circuit, didn't play a lot of travel ball. When I finally started to pop and started to get my recognition on most of the schools, had already moved on to the younger classes they were trying to get. So I only had a few offers, you know, come in because I was sort of late, signed during my senior season. You know, Mercer, I felt like it was a comfortable environment, and they were going to give me the opportunity to play. You know, you go where you can play. Your numbers just skyrocketed from your first year to your second year, I think, to your third year. What happened? during that time where you became Kyle Lewis that third year to become the top collegiate player in the nation. Just really applying myself and watching countless hours of video. Really, I, I watched video every night on the uh, top MLB players, and then you know I would just go in the cage and try to apply myself to that. And I think watching the game from a different perspective before I used to just watch as a fan, and then I started to watch as a student as if they were trying to teach me personally. And that really took me a long way, honestly. Kyle, you're such a talented outfielder, and uh, you can run, you can go get the ball, and obviously you can hit. How much did you get a chance to visit with Ken Griffey Jr. in the minor leagues? Because I know Jr. visits with the kids in the system, and what did that mean for you as a young outfielder? Yeah, I've been able to visit with him a few times, and the main thing I pick up from him is just the determination. You know, he has dealt with countless injuries throughout his own career, still to be mentioned as one of the greatest ever, regardless of how many injuries and, and regardless to have over 600 home runs. is like, for me, that gives me reassurance, you know, with me having an injury that that really doesn't stop you. You know, you got to keep working. It's how bad you really want it. And that's the biggest thing when I visit with him that he always reminds me is it's how bad do you want it. As a kid growing up in Georgia, I'm going to take a wild guess here. Who was your favorite ball player growing up as a kid? You know, Chipper Jones for oh, me coming okay. up. Yeah, all right. man. That's all right. Like Let's go to the Hall of Fame. I liked Andrew as well. Both of those guys were, were when I was, you know, a young, young guy. And then as I got a little older, Adam Jones, recently I've been watching King Griffey videos, man. Going into spring training this year, what would what would be a good spring and a, and a good year for Kyle Lewis, putting the past behind you, the injury and all the rehab and everything? What would a good 2018 be for Kyle Lewis? A successful 2018 for me is just a healthy slate, really learning about myself as a player on a large scale, being able to put together 100-plus games and and really be able to figure out myself. And I think if I can do those two things, my talents will show. The sky's the limit after that. Tell you what, young man, we can't wait to see you here. We just want you to get healthy, stay healthy, and one day you're going to put on a Mariners uniform. We know that that's going to happen. Thanks a lot for being our guest. Thanks a lot for helping out in the caravan as we head north to Vancouver, British Columbia, and we wish you all the best. Thanks a lot, buddy. All right, thank you. Thanks for having me. 
And that was Kyle Lewis with Rick Riz. And real quick here, Bill, I mean, I thought he was going to say health would be the number one thing right. for next year. He's beyond that. He's ready to go, it sounds yeah, like. Yeah, I know. I, you and know, we've, we've been just inundated with these young players with great focus and great work ethic, and he's certainly one of those guys. And, yes, it is troubling. And he had a significant injury, and it wasn't easy. Lots of ebbs and starts. But you can tell he's bright. He's driven. These things are going to – he's going to get past it, plus he has a lot – of talent we already know that and sometimes injuries maybe sometimes are better to happen sooner rather than later so Mm -hmm. maybe he's gotten that one thing out of the way and what injuries do to you they make every day count they make everything you do count it changes the way you think about your game because you took a lot for granted prior to that and i know he will not do that again in his career now we cannot wait to see him on the field another young Mariner, who is on the caravan right now, I know is one that you enjoyed watching, and I, I think it's going to be key. I think that full year in the big leagues was big for him last year. He's going to be a key part of the bullpen. It's James Pazos, and he sat down with Rick as well. Well, Chance of Israel with Mariners reliever James Pazos here in the Mariners caravan. Great to have you here in Seattle. What's the offseason been like for you? Well, thanks. It's great to be here. It's been an incredible offseason. You know, uh, after an incredible year with uh, an incredible opportunity coming over here, I mean, it was an absolute blessing. The offseason's been the same. Just been trying to get down to work and trying to come back stronger than ever. 2017, uh, a lot of pitchers came through here. You were one of the consistent guys down there in the bullpen, hard-throwing left-hander. What did you take from last year? What was the biggest lesson that you learned from last year being your first full year? I think the biggest lesson that I learned is I'm still learning. I feel like every time I went out on the mound, there was something new that came up or something new that I that I figured out or learned about either myself or the game. Just knowing that I'm never going to be complete. There's always stuff to improve. There's always... Uh, things to get better with. I interviewed Tom Seaver many years ago after he won his 300th game, and I asked him the same question. He said the same answer as you. Yeah. That's awesome. After 20 years pitching in the big leagues, honest to goodness, he said, Rick, I'm still learning. Wow. And and it's you continually – evolve don't you as a pitcher or as a player you do yeah you know like I said every time out there is different you know whether you have your stuff or you don't you just you're always gonna have to make an adjustment and I think that's part of the game it's pretty cool <laughs> that I uh, had the same similar quotes yeah I think that's just the large lesson of the game is it's, it's, it's ever-changing how did you guys handle all that uh, the turnover last year you were down there all the time Mark Zipchinski mm-hmm. and uh, Nick Vincent and Edwin Diaz who's a really come on like a comet the last couple of years. Just a couple of years ago, he's a starter in the minor leagues and becomes a reliever and then becomes the closer of the ball club. How do you guys handle that last year? Because at certain points during the course of the year, you guys were one of the best bullpens in baseball. I mean, I think it's just a testament to those guys. Vinny, Zepp, and, and Edwin were were all critical leaders in that pen all year long, and they were there all year long. It seemed like Vinny had the ball every night. <laughs> Zepp was getting out of jams every other night, you know, and Eddie was shutting it down at the end. So I think, uh, you know, you have all that change and um, – roster all those roster moves it's you need a couple of guys back there that are always going to be there and always going to be consistent take a look at this bullpen james and there's of course uh, eddie and then vincent zipchinski david phelps uh tony zick alta villa you now juan nicasio is coming over who's uh you know a veteran pitcher all these guys maybe except one throw about 95 to 100 miles an hour and you throw 97 98 and you got the great slider when, when did that come around for you the velocity and the command um, the velocity's always sort of, you know, been there. It's something that I'm that I've been working on, you know, body wise, trying to figure out where my strength needs to be to help me throw as hard as I can, honestly. And then, you know, the slider comes from working at it. All through the minor leagues I didn't have one. And then I 
come over here. I don't know if it's throwing Arizona spring balls or what. I just felt something clicked. For the most part of the year, it was there. I was able to find it when it wasn't. Like most guys, James, were, were you a starter, then worked your way into the bullpen, and when did that transition happen for you, and, and how long did it take to make that transition where you were comfortable with the new role? Uh, yeah, so growing up, playing baseball I was always a starter, always going out, complete games, you know, like Little League and stuff, throwing whatever, 70 pitches or whatever it was. And uh, up through high school, I started, and then my junior college, I started. And then when I went to the University of San Diego, uh, they put me in the bullpen. And that first year was kind of a struggle, but I uh, had a great pitching coach there, Tyler Kincaid, uh, and that's my second year, my junior year there. I really, really settled into that relieving role and was able to get going every day type thing. You know, just kind of honing that in the minor leagues. I've gotten used to being able to get ready quick and get ready every day and throw when I don't have everything that I have. It's worked out pretty well so far. It's worked out very well to have you in that bullpen. I'm visiting with James Pazos. And James, who's the most challenging guy you wanted to face and ended up facing who was that one guy that before the ball game you said, you know, I, I'm looking forward to face this guy? This year, honestly, was such a it was such a roller coaster, such a tornado that uh, you know it was every time out there, I felt like it was that one guy that yeah. I got to get this guy out. I remember a couple of years ago when I facing David Ortiz, uh, I really wanted to get him out. It was his last year. He put one off the wall off me, and then uh, next time I actually got him out and got the win in that game. So that was pretty cool. But last year was just such a such a blur. It's hard to pick out one. One hitter. Yeah, Big Poppy be a heck of a challenge. After what you guys went through last year, and you guys were so good down there in the bullpen, what do you want to tell the fans about uh, the 2018 season as you try to get to the playoffs? I think this year we're coming back um, stronger and, uh, you know, a little bit more together as a team. Last year we had a lot of new guys, a lot of turnover, but I feel like uh, we have the same core group of guys this year, and uh, we, were, we all got along great. And uh, hopefully it, it shows out on the field because I know that we, we want to win here. It'll be nice to see number 47 coming in out of the bullpen. By the way, how'd you settle on number 47? They just gave it to me. Uh, just accepted it. Yeah, <laughs> took it took it and ran with it. Well, I'll tell you what, just like the roll down in the bullpen, James. Good luck this spring. Have a lot of fun. Enjoy the caravan up in uh, Vancouver, British Columbia. And we're going to see a lot of you here in 2018. Thanks a lot for the visit. Thank you. Thanks for having me. That is James Pazos with Rick Riz currently on the Mariners Caravan. And Bill Pazos, I just, it seems like he took such steps this year. And the first thing, and I saw this early on in the season, this guy is just no panic out there. Yeah, there's a lot to like. I mean, this is a great find by Jerry DePoto. Uh, he's super arm. You can listen to him. He's very articulate. He's very focused. And we saw him brilliant. And then, you know, he had a little inconsistency. I think they did a lot for him mechanically in spring training. He was a little bit kind of one direction back the other direction when he threw and Mel straightened him out. And so I think some of that, you know, you're acquiring that mechanical change as you go through the season. So there's little things that he will get better at that will allow him to be more consistent. He has a big arm. But, you know, he gets underneath the ball sometimes. I think he's going to be better at that. The slider will be better. The fastball command will get better. I think he's going to an integral part of this team. You know, he's valuable. He he will get better at coming in and get one guy out, but he can pitch three innings. You know, he could be a guy that pitches through the lineup. So that's great. So I see him as a valuable guy that's going to get better. Yeah, that versatility is going to be big in the things that they want to do with the pitching this year. So thanks to Rick Riz for doing some extra duty on the caravan. He's had a long day. He did the Hutch Award lunch, got on a bus with the guys heading north right now and uh, still giving us these great interviews. Now, when we come back, we are going to hear a little bit about the news of the day. It was not the news we wanted to get, but you know what? I don't think it was all bad news. I think this thing is moving in the right direction. Yep, we're talking Edgar with a wonderful Gary Hill piece after the break.
Back to more of the hot stove on 710 ESPN Seattle, 710sports.com, and the 710 Seattle Sports app. Well, today was the day I think we all had it circled on our calendars. The Hall of Fame announcements. Edgar Martinez, quite the candidacy, saw a huge jump in where he had been in the past, jumped from 58.6% last year to 70.4%, just fell shy of the Hall of Fame. One more year, 20 votes short this year, but he's going to do it next year. I don't think it's a matter of if. I think it is going to happen. And on that note, Gary Hill put together a wonderful piece of why Edgar Martinez belongs in the Hall of Fame. And John Wetland one more time set. And here comes the 2-2 pitch to Edgar Martinez now. And the fastball swung on and hit the deep center field. Bernie Williams goes back and it is. Get out the right bread and the mustard this time, Grandma. It is a grand salami. And the Mariners lead it 10-6. The great Edgar Martinez. Spent 18 years in the major leagues, putting together a stellar big league career, all with one team, the Seattle Mariners. And now the Hall of Fame voting community catching up to what Seattle Mariner fans already knew. And now Anderson has sent the pitch to Edgar. Swung on, line drive, base hit, right center field. He's unbelievable. He is muchísimo caliente, Edgar Martinez. Two American League batting titles, three American League on-base percentage titles, five Silver Slugger Awards, five Designated Hitter of the Year Awards, and seven All-Star Game appearances. At the pitch, swung on and belted deep to center field. Bernie Williams looks up, and this will fly, fly away. Edgar Martinez has just given the Mariners a 5-2 lead. The numbers are incredible. A 300-plus batting average, a 400-plus on-base percentage, 300-plus home runs, 500-plus doubles, and 1,000-plus base on balls. When Edgar Martinez retired, only Stan Musial, Rogers Hornsby, Babe Ruth, Lou Gehrig, and Ted Williams finished as high in every category. He was such a tough at-bat. If you made any mistake, he really crushed you. And if you executed your pitch, he would only get a single. So it's like, uh, and I'm not the only guy. There's a lot of guys that uh, we all raise our hands, especially the lefties. You know, Edgar was just a very difficult uh, guy for us to face. Former teammate and foe, Mark Langston. The pitch on the way to Martinez. Swung on and belted! And longtime big league pitcher Bill Kruger sums up the importance of Edgar Martinez. When you step across the field and you're on the opposing team, this is a great litmus test. Is that you could go through the Rodriguez's and the Buners and the Tino Martinez's and the Kenny Griffey's. The guy they were most worried about was Edgar Martinez. He was the one that they feared with runners in scoring position. Edgar Martinez defined the position of designated hitter. So much so... The award for best designated hitter every season is now the Edgar Martinez Award. Because of your record on this night, the designated hitter award for the American League will be forever be named the Edgar Martinez Award. Congratulations. And the man who has won the most Edgar Martinez Awards, David Ortiz, 
He knows where Edgar belongs. To me, he should be Hall of Famer. He should be inducted in the Hall of Fame a while ago. It, it will happen regardless. I, I, I hope so. And it made me proud, you know, just the fact that uh, they kind of uh, uh, compare my name to uh, an amazing uh, uh, player like, like Edgar used to be. And Edgar was meticulous with his craft. He was the first guy I ever saw that actually had a scale in his locker to weigh each individual bat. I've never seen that before, but it had to be 31 ounces on the button or it was a batting practice bat. One of the things I thought was really impressive is the first time I watched him take live batting practice with a donut on his bat. The eye exercises that he used to do in front of his locker, I don't know, a lot of people don't know it, but he had some issues with his eyes, and so he had to strengthen the muscles to, to be able to control it at all times in the game. So he would have to sit there before games and do these eye exercises that he was religious about it. Edgar, his on-base percentage of 418 is the fourth highest all-time for right-handed hitters. Edgar, the greatest right-handed hitter I've ever played with. And, of course, he authored a signature moment in Mariners history and Major League Baseball playoff history with the double. And the 0-1 pitch on the way to Edgar Martinez. Swung on the line down the field line for a base hit. Here comes Joy. Here is Junior to third base. They're going to wave him in. The throw to the plate will be late. The Mariners are going to play for the American League Championship. I don't believe it. It just continues and perhaps the only thing that matches his greatness on the field, his greatness off the field. The winner of the 2004 Roberto Clemente Award, the fabulous Martinez Foundation, his connection to the Pacific Northwest as he played every game in a Mariners uniform. Edgar Martinez, one of the all-time greats. So perhaps Edgar has... Passed our way for the last time. And listen. What a fantastic tribute to a fantastic man. You know a piece is good when it gives you goosebumps. Oh, <laughs> Gary, very good, that Gary. Fantastic. That was outstanding. That was absolutely fantastic. When I heard Ken Griffey Jr. saying that he is the greatest right-handed hitter, that was from Cooperstown. That's where he said that. Uh, goosebumps alert right there. Bill, I, I, you look at it, he didn't get in today, today, but you know what? I am up for telling everybody how great he was for another year. He's going to get in. We can make this case all day long. There, there's no question. There, there's not enough uh, time to talk about the greatness of Edgar Martinez. So that's the blessing of having to wait. Uh, and he's had to wait a lot for his, his accolades. And he's done it the right way his whole life. And he's clearly the best right-hand hitter in the game when I played. And I will say he and Paul Malder, and then there's everybody else. Mm. And that's pretty good company. Um, and like I said in the quote, you know, that uh, that was a murderer's low lineup. And I'm telling you that teams worried about Edgar Martinez in the clutch, in the big situations, with guys on base. Uh, inside the game, they know this guy's a Hall of Famer. We just got to get the rest of the crowd that's uh, not quite figured it out yet to do the right thing and vote him in.
Yep, and as, as you point out, all the more Edgar appreciation for us. That's we can right. Spend a winter doing we love it. it. It's what we do. Because we got, can't get it out of him. We have to do it for him. <laughs> We're happy to do it. We've got uh, just under two minutes to go. I mean, quite an impressive array of players that we have come. We were some old favorites that we love talking to, some new ones that we got to know. And, man, I'm getting excited. Well, you can understand. I mean, player profile means something. When you listen to D. Gordon, you listen to Ryan Healy, and Mitch Hanniger is off the charts. We already know about him. And Mike Zanino's poised to be something else as a power-hitting catcher. So I think there's a lot to be said about the way these guys are presenting themselves, the enthusiasm they have for playing in Seattle. And this team is kind of a sleeper. I think that everybody's not thinking so much about them. But this lineup is scary, and they've made some nice additions. And if D. Gordon runs like we think he's going to run, teams are going to have a lot of problems with this team. And then we just have to, you know, you know, rub the rosary beads or whatever we got to do, the rabbit's feet, whatever it is, the, you know, the four-leaf clovers on health, and this team can be a lot better than maybe people are thinking. I think it is great that they're going into spring training with so fewer question marks, a more set lineup. There aren't going to be the introductions. They can hit the ground running this year, and they'll need to. They've got to start hot this year. Yeah, and the offense can be really, really special. I think the bullpen is experienced with a little bit of depth added, and that's going to help buffer, I think, maybe the area that they are a little bit unsure of at the end of the rotation but we have to pay attention to the fact that they have two very talented pitchers that need to stay healthy and that's Paxson and Felix and if they can do that this team is there and we heard Scott Service talking about it but there are a lot of things that you won't see out on the field that'll happen behind the scenes in the high performance department and then also the added coaches yeah I mean I think it's that you take nothing to chance and you invest in technology, invest in what's new on the on the horizon as far as health is concerned and, and performance and, and, and training. Uh, I think you have to do that. That's the way the game's moving. And when you come off a season where you have a lot that didn't go right health-wise, you need to do that. You getting ready? You ready? Oh, I'm already ready there. Yeah, we're ready to go. All right. Yeah. <laughs> a little sunshine down in <laughs> yeah, Arizona. That'd be nice. Got a yes. couple of weeks to go until that, but you can tell every guy you sit down in front of you, they're they're ready to go. They have their jerseys on today, and they're kind of in that time where they don't know what to do with themselves. It's the holidays are past, and it's time to start thinking about baseball. They are well into their workouts. They want to get on the field uh, with their team and, and, and see where this is going to go. Uh, it has been a great night here at Safeco Field tonight. A lot of fun on this show. So many guests. Uh, I want to thank Aaron Goldsmith, who ran away about a half an hour ago. He's, he's on some other duties at this affair. Bill Kruger, thanks for sitting in with us tonight. Oh, it was great, Shannon. I always love coming on and doing this show with you guys. And uh, uh, I know you're going to work hard down in spring training. And uh, we're all going to get this thing going and get it off on the right foot. And we will do the Hot Stove Show again next week. Good night, everybody. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.